Today is the final exhortation from the book of Hebrews. As you look there at the very last chapter of Hebrews 13, verse number 22 says, But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. I think we should pause and uh, thank God that he, he saw fit to give us the cliff notes to this book, because if he, Hebrews is the one that was written briefly, imagine how lengthy this author can actually go into writing. These are 13 chapters. That doesn't sound a lot, but there is so much packed in here in lengthy, lengthy chapters at time. And we, we have been going through this and studying this now for several months. I think I can trace it all the way back to May, and we've kind of mixed it up a little bit with other things so that it hasn't been too laborious, I hope. But we have been here studying Hebrews, trying to learn from this book, and now is the time for us to think about what has been given to us, what we have bearing through as we, we've worked through and endured this word of exhortation. What have we learned? How have you changed? How is your attitude different? How have you matured in following after Christ? How has God equipped you in every good thing to do His will? God didn't call us to be a people who are distinct from the rest of the world because we show up at a building on a su- any given Sunday. This is not what makes us distinct. What makes us distinct as a people, which includes the coming together on every Sunday, is that God has equipped us for every good thing to do His will. And the question is, are we accomplishing that? Are we doing what God calls us to do? Are we doing that which is pleasing in His sight? Are we, in fact, living up to our calling that the Bible calls us to, what Jesus calls us to, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world? If we're following Christ, that when we leave here, we're going out and we're making a difference. We're making an impact upon the world. Salt and light make an impact. They change things. They make things better. How are we doing that? So the final exhortation is listed here in verses, chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And I want you just to consider, consider these two verses, which I look at as, as just one main phrase. And it begins as this. Now may the God of peace. Of course, this book is written to the Hebrews. It was written down in uh, Greek, and there was a Greek word for the word peace. But if you go back to thinking like the Jew, the Hebrews, they would have thought of the word shalom. The God of shalom, the God of wholeness and completeness, the one who gives you wholeness and completeness in every aspect of your life. 
The God who, who seeks to uh, make your finances whole and complete and your relationships whole and complete and your ability to work and to rest and to figure out how that balance should be, he makes that complete and whole. He takes broken lives and makes them complete and fixed and whole. He salvages broken things. This is the God that we're talking about here. And this is a God, the God of Shalom, is the, the God of peace. That's the God that these, these Jews who rested their lives upon following that old law until the day of Christ, until Christ came, that was where they found their peace. Was to, Wholeness and completeness was found in following that law. This is the same God that the writer of Hebrews is speaking to them about. But there's a different way of peace than in the law. The the way of peace is found in the, the, the distinction that is given here about this God of peace. And what, it is, what he tells us about this God of peace is that it's the God of peace who raised the great shepherd of the sheep. There is a great shepherd of the sheep. Now, they had a shepherd a long time ago. Moses would have been one of those. Probably the shepherd that they would have thought of, the, the greatest shepherd they ever had. Led them out as a, as a, as a shepherd. He, he was trained as a shepherd, and then he went and led the people out. All the sheep led them out of Egypt. Gave them the law, protected them, built them up, and kept them and taught them how to live as the nation of God. That was a pretty good shepherd. But now there is a great shepherd of the sheep. So may the God of Shalom, who raised the great shepherd of the sheep, raised him from the dead... This is a powerful God. This is a powerful shepherd who died for the sheep and was raised up again. We know who that is, but how he did it is the next part of the verse. Through the blood of the eternal covenant. That's how Jesus was raised. That's how this great shepherd was was raised. It was through blood. There is a covenant of blood that was given through the very Son of God we're going to learn. So what this book is about, there is an eternal covenant, and that is much better than the temporary covenant that was given through Moses. It was a, it was a, that, that mo, the covenant through Moses had been even preceded by other covenants, but now there is an eternal covenant that was began actually with Abraham when he promised That through you, God speaking to Abraham, God said through you, all nations would be blessed. There would be a seed that would come. Speaking of this man who is the great shepherd and who is that great shepherd? Jesus, our Lord. So here's the one that they need to follow. This book mentioned high priests. And it mentioned, uh, we looked at just in chapter 13 earlier, there was a mention of a high priest, and they, had, they, can't, they can't partake of the sacrifice that we're able to partake of. They have no right to eat this. So we have something better. Jesus Christ is the something better. Don't go and follow other leaders. We have 
the great shepherd of the sheep, the one who was always promised. He has come. Follow him. Anybody who tries to get you to step away from Jesus, you start ignoring them and follow leaders who actually lead you and direct you to Jesus. And this is a pretty good indicator for, um, for churches, I believe, if there's going to be any first litmus test for whether a church is truly the church of Christ is do they actually lead you to Christ? Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is the one that we follow. We must always have our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's why this communion feast is so very central to our meeting together. If you go to a church that doesn't make this central... The feast, when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do it. Don't ignore it. Do it. Jesus is our Lord. He is the one whom we fix our eyes on. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us never detract from him, take away from him. Our focus is always Jesus, Jesus Jesus. So, there's the introduction in the final benediction, this little prayer for them that ends with an amen, speaking truth. So, now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, So he was talking about Jesus. He's the one that was provided by the God of peace. So now we've interjected that information about the shepherd, about the blood, about Jesus. Now back to the main sentence structure. It says, now may the God of peace, beginning of verse 20. Now skip to verse 21. We skip the appositives, the things that were descriptors of what was already stated. Now may the God of peace equip you in every good thing to do his will. Now do you think this is is a prayer, right? The question is, do you think God will do that? Here is a prayer, the final prayer, final exhortation. Come on, let's do it. God, do this. Now may the God of peace equip you in every good thing to do his will. Do you think God is up to that with us? Do you think he wants to equip us to build us up, to help us to grow and mature so that we can actually do good things according to the will of the Father in heaven? Kind of goes back to the very prayer is, may thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the Father's will, is that the things that the Father loves, that those things happen here on earth, and they can happen through us. God is at work equipping us in every good thing, making us good soldiers of Christ to carry the message of salvation, to do good unto others, even as you consider Uh, Verse 16 previously, and do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such 
sacrifices, God is pleased. God equips us. He gets us ready to do His will. He equips us, making us able to do good things and every good thing. He doesn't equip us to do evil. He equips us to stay away from evil practices that detract from God. And he equips us to go out and do good to the glory of God. We are equipped for doing. You know, there's... um, a common uh, thought, I think more of a secular thought, which I understand, it, there's a secular thought that says we're human beings, not human doings, right? And that thought in our society is very much needed, I think, because people, it seems like one of the things we do is get busy, and we go from one thing to the next, the next, the next, the next, the end of the day, we go, <sighs> And we lay down and we get up the next day and we go from one thing to the next, the next, the next, the next. Even sometimes the doing is just filling our lives with with mundane, silly things that don't really matter. But we're always doing, doing, doing. And the point of that saying that we're human beings, we need to just be. We We are to think about life. We're to be human. And I get that thought. And I think as Christians, we need to be Christian beings, right? We need to exist with Christ in our lives. We are the very temple of God. He is to live in us and to exude from us as fruit. The fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are to be Christian beings. We are to be Christ-like. We are to be transformed into his image. And we need to remember that. And as we follow that image of Christ that we are called to be, we need to realize that wrapped up in all those fruits is the fact that we must be doing. Christ didn't come down to this world and kind of exist. He existed in the fullness of Christ, showing compassion towards others, helping others, loving others, caring for others. He was full of wonderful works of grace and truth. So he didn't just help people and show kindness to them. He was sharing truth. And actually, if anything, he was the, one of the reasons he was doing kindness to others and healing others wasn't just so that he could show compassion and just show that he cared, but those were re- the reason he did that was so he could then teach them the truth. When he performed all those miracles and healings and doing great miraculous deeds, calming storms, he did that then so that people would listen to him and then do what he 
says, If anyone hears these words of mine, Jesus says, if anyone hears these words of mine and he does them, puts them into practice, you hear and you do, then you're like the wise man. We are equipped for doing. When Christ is in us, we will be doing. Doing the very works that Christ calls us to do. So I ask you, having studied this book, how has God equipped you? How has God changed your attitude? How has God changed your life? What has changed? What is different now? And in a broader sense, you can even ask yourself, instead of just looking back at a couple of months and thinking about what you learned and maybe a new habit you've developed, you can also look back and say, well, how am I even different from what I was 10 years ago? How am I different from what I was, you know, five years ago or even a year ago? How am I different? How has God equipped me? How is he changing me and making me better? To help you with that that thought and kind of that introspection as you kind of evaluate yourself to make sure that you are growing and maturing in Christ, which is included in one of these passages, I would ask you just to consider the lettuce passages. Kind of the motivator for why I turned to the book of Hebrews, what I was considering is, is these phrases, let us do, let us do, let us. You have these phrases, let us, in here several times. And there's much more in here than just these passages that I have listed. But these are all the let us passages. It starts with chapter 4, verse number 1. And it mentions let us in verse 11 and 14 and 16. That's in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 mentions let us. Go to that one real quick. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Let us press on to maturity. How are you pressing on? Have you grown? Do you now have a mindset that is more accurately reflecting this that Christ calls us to, to press on to maturity. Jesus Christ was perfect. That's a pretty high standard. <laughs> it can be kind of intimidating, isn't it? Christ was perfect. How could I ever achieve that? I can't do that. Yeah, that's true. We can't. Not on our own. But the promise is that God can do this. Notice the language. Now may the God of peace equip you. Oh, God, you can't equip me. I just said I can equip you, he tells us. So listen to me. Let me equip you, God shouts at us. And we're like, no, I can't. I'm lousy. No, that's not the life that we have in Christ. Now may the God of peace equip you in every good thing to do as well. Oh, he's at work doing that? I better submit to that. He's my Lord. He can equip me. 
He can change me. He can, he can transform me a little bit closer to the image of Christ, little by little, in every day, and in every way. He can change you and me. So having studied Hebrews, ask yourself, how has God equipped me to be a little bit more mature and have these habits that I need to press on to maturity, to work towards immaturity? This is a doing. Let us press on. This is a doing, active, going, gung-ho, putting in effort to mature into Christ. Also go to chapter 10, the very next time that let us is mentioned. And I should note that I, I use the New American Standard for these let us passages, so they might, might have something a little bit different in your translation. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 22. I'm picking up, uh, I think, in the middle of a sentence here, but that's okay. Let us consider it anyhow. Let us, shall we? 10.22. Through 25, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean with an evil conscience and from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How are you drawing near to God? Are you doing it more than you used to? Are you finding ways as you mature, you're drawing closer to God, drawing nearer to him? 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. One of, the, one of the things we can do, and this is, here this is, this is back to church Sunday. September 19th, 2021, back to church Sunday. And churches um, across in the denominations, a lot of churches are doing it. I don't know who started it, but it's a great idea. How many people claim to follow Christ, but deny this very passage of Scripture? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. The sending of a card, a wonderful way to stimulate and encourage love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. So here there are all kinds of what can you do, and some of you do it so well, encouraging others. We all need to be involved in this ministry of encouragement and stimulation, encouraging one another to love the Lord God, encouraging one another to be together on Sunday as we're called to remember Christ. And I, I got to, you know, it's neglect the, the people who are online. You're with us, and we thank you for that. We try to make that presence. A little more obvious by uh, pointing out and saying the names of everyone who's online. But you're an encouragement to us who are here. 
Wouldn't it be disheartening to us who are here to, if we thought it was just us and there was no, all the, this good crowd of people, brothers and sisters in Christ who are online with us today and participating with us in Christ, partaking of the bread and the cup at the very moment that we do, making us all one? What a, what a wonderful thing this is. And people forsake that. People give that up. And when they do, it's just an acknowledgement that they're not growing and maturing in Christ, but they're just backing away, just like these Jews were backing away from Jesus and going back to the old covenant. Some people just kind of back away from the church and from Christ, and they go back to the old way of life. Let us encourage one another. Let us not forsake the assembling together. Grow and mature. How has God equipped you to do His will? Are you doing better? Now back to chapter 13. That phrase then, verse number 21. That's the the very first phrase connected with the first part of verse 20. Now may the God of peace equip you in every good thing to do His will. That's the emphasis that I'm putting on this. That is, we've got to be doers of the Word. And not merely hearers who delude themselves, James says. We don't just listen. We don't just show up. We don't just warm a pew. Our lives are changed by Jesus, and he defines our lives. He equips us to every good thing to do his will. That's 24-7. He is at work in us all the time if we are willing. Let him do his good work. Let him equip you and may you participate with him and put that effort out there, joining with Christ in his work. In verse number 21, it continues on. It says, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. You know, when we were, to me, I flash back to uh, Hebrews Hebrews, um, 11 and then into chapter 12. We used the sermon uh, that was entitled, Mommy, Look What I Can Do. And all those people in that hall of fame of faith of Hebrews 11, it's just all those folks are listed there saying, they did it, they did it, they did it, he did it, he did it. They, you know, they live by faith, and you can too. I can too. We can live by faith. We can do what is pleasing in his sight. We can. And it's like we've got a Father in heaven who's watching us and cheering us on, and we say, Father, look what I can do. And it's not really me, but it's you. You're helping me, but we're working together. This is great. That's what faith is. Putting your trust in God and going gung-ho with Him. Jesus is everything. Live for Him. Walk with Him. Because look at that very next phrase. Doing that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. He's our strength. How are we able to do anything? It comes through Jesus. How are we saved? It comes through Christ. How are we able to grow? It comes through Jesus. How does God equip us, equip us to do good works? It comes through Jesus. Through Jesus Christ. You know, and Jesus, he's the strong one. He's the one that when we're in him, he, it puts us into an unshakable kingdom. We're unstoppable. Do you get that? Nothing can shake us when you're in Christ. People can try and rattle you. People can throw stones at you. People can say mean things to you, but eh, 
I'm in Christ. I'm unshakable. It's easy to say when you're standing up here in the pulpit, though, isn't it? Let's go out and test it with our family, with our friends. Let us see if truly living 100% for Jesus Christ and not being timid or weak, but living by faith, see how it plays out in the real world. And I think it's true. It's still going to be true there. These people, these Hebrews, we talked about the persecution that they must have been going through for forsaking their nation, their family, the law of Moses. You're turning your back on it. You're not doing sacrifices anymore. Are you kidding me? You're, you're going to Jesus. He's not enough. You got to get circumcised. You got to do the feast. You got to do this sacrifice. You got to obey that. You got to wash this and that. They turn their back. But it's not fair to say they turn their back on all of that. But anything that would have been contrary to Christ, that Christ had already filled, if, they, if, if Christ had fulfilled it like the sacrifice, and then they said, no, they needed something else, that Christ wasn't enough, that would, they would have said, no, no, I'm done with that one. No more making sacrifices for sin for me. That's a for sure thing. Jesus was my sacrifice. You want me to make a sacrifice for my sins at a temple that no longer matters? I'm the temple of God. Jesus was my sacrifice for sins. I'm not going to trust anything else. Jesus is it. Jesus, in him, we are in an unshakable kingdom. If they back then could cause a stir up problems with family, friends, neighbors, the entire nation turning against them, boy, I think we've got it easy today when we have all of our protections and worst people are, will do to us is maybe say something mean online. Okay, so that's, uh, we can handle that, right? We can live for Christ. Christ Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Live for Jesus. Do his will. Be bold. Be wise. Don't try and get people to dislike you, but... Man, we got to share that truth. We got to do great acts of kindness and goodness and share with others. And then share the name of Jesus. Verse 15 of chapter 13 there through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Continually. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Share the name of Jesus with somebody. Share his name. Live for him. Share his name with somebody else. Those folks all around us, they need Christ. Jesus has spoken to us. He has shown us God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it, it sets up the entire book. Jesus has spoken. And then the rest of the book is basically saying... Are you going to listen to him? He has shown us God. The exact radiance. He has spoken the words of God. He has shared the very image of God. He was God. Are you going to follow him or not? Listening to him and following him equips us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. 
let us be doers of the word. We are doers of the word. If you're not a Christian, then I hope this lesson challenges you today. If you're coming back to the church, coming back to the church isn't really that meaningful if you haven't come back to Christ. If you're not listening to him, you need to listen to Jesus and put your trust in. In him, that's faith, putting your trust in him. Confess his name. Say that you need him as a savior. He is the only way. He's the one who died to save you from your sins. The very son of God who was, who was perfect died for me who is imperfect. And he died to save me. Boy, make that confession. Acknowledge that. And then be immersed into Christ, raised to that new life, living a new life. That is, I think, in the most apt description, in Christ. Living for him, that is living in Christ. Having every blessing that Jesus offers. Give your life to him. Jesus calls us to do his will. If you've never given your life to him, the first step is dying to your old life and living to him. If you need to respond... I encourage you to get a hold of me today, tomorrow, find somebody else in the church. Give your life to Christ. For all of us Christians, you are equipped to do His will. And every good thing, you're equipped to do His will. So get busy doing. We're now going to remember Christ in the, the giving and the taking of this uh, bread and cup.